Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Camera Dads, episode number five. I am one of your hosts, Phil Ringsmooth, and with me, as always, is my brother and co-host, Mr. Simon. Hey, everybody. Camera Dads, episode five. Thanks for joining us. And we've got a special guest on our show today, Jeremy Ringsmooth, our cousin. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Thanks for joining us and being with us. Um, we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about vacation photography. The official title of this show is Documenting the Vacation. But we're going to cover a lot of different topics and sort of see where this all takes us. But some of the, the big picture items we'll be talking about tonight are items such as how do the three of us uh, prepare for taking photos on vacation? What approach do we use when it comes to documenting the vacation versus enjoying the vacation? and uh, sharing some tips and tricks for getting some good pictures. And, and we're recording this on uh, right at the beginning of vacation season, you might say. So there's uh, Phil and I are going to take a family vacation coming up uh, shortly. And Jeremy, I don't know if you've got any trips planned, but we hopefully this, this topic will be relevant to some of the listeners. So that's where we are. And as, as we get started with this, let me kind of throw it out to you guys. What is your what is your overall approach to vacation photography? Do you have like a certain mindset that you try and get into or do you just take your iPhone and and take pictures the same as you would with any other day in your life? Well, when we first uh decided to do this topic, uh the thing that I kind of uh, realized right away is that sort of the general rule of thumb is for me, never leave the cabin without the camera. Now, a vacation uh, for our family and for Simon's family, uh, more or less, is uh, a cabin on the beach for a couple of days, let the kids play in the water, walk to the park. Pretty we, low-key kind of thing. <laughs> we follow the standard va family vacation template that's been used since 1981, I think. Um we're still doing the same thing we've always done different locations but find a beach a lake not an ocean that'd be crazy but a lake with a beach <laughs> and go there and have no real agenda that that's my idea of a vacation and that's with that in mind the the no agenda thing for me means always be ready to just sort of photograph what's happening at the moment if you walk to the park with the kids, well, make sure you got your camera. Uh, I would say never just the cell phone. When, when I'm on vacation, one of the things that I want to do is get good photos. That's part of the vacation for me. So uh, I might have my phone in my pocket, but I will not use it to take vacation photos. Jeremy, what about you? So... This, there's a little bit of a biographical issue here. Okay. <laughs> Autobiographical issue. Uh, the first time I ever bought a camera, vacation. I took it on vacation, took lots of great pictures, brought it home, and it was stolen out of the backseat of my car. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So I never got to see those photos, except, fortunately, while we were there in Seattle where we were taking our trip, I had the first roll developed. Oh, so this is a Seattle. while ago. Roll of film. This was, my, this was my, yeah, this is my senior year of high school. Okay. So, uh, you know, 2012. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was more like 1998. So I have some pictures of the mountains on the way out there because I was fortunate enough to find like a one hour photo development place but other than that after that cameras became a really like sensitive issue for me so i took a long hiatus so vacations are kind of a pain point and <laughs> thanks for being on this episode <laughs> but but i want to but so in preparation for this episode and the fact that i'm kind of a new camera dad i actually planned a couple of mini vacations just to go with my kids and take some photos did you really i did just to like you know, as because I feel like I'm the newbie here. Well, you're the, uh, not you, you've been a dad longer than either of us. You got three kids True. who are much older than either, any of our kids. But you know, that's true. The, the so my portion. youngest is seven. And do do either of you have a seven year old? No. Yeah, my oldest is seven. Okay. And Mine are five and three. Just shy of one. 
so okay. you, yeah, you, we're, we're way behind you there. So you took vacations just for this episode. I two of them, just mini vacations. Okay. What, what, was, what, what do you mean? Can you tell me what's a mini vacation and what's like? It, it's really it's where you you get in the car and you drive somewhere to just be somewhere that you're not normally for a change of pace uh, and like create an experience, get away from it all. So the the mini one about. 20 minutes to St. John's and walked around the Arboretum for a while and threw rocks in the pond. And I just took pictures of the kids mm-hmm. and planned like a whole video montage that I was going to make. Um, did some cool stuff. Yeah. So, so your approach to that vacation, photographically speaking, um, what did you, what was going through your mind as you were preparing for this? I wanted to know truly how annoying it was to be a camera dad on vacation. <laughs> and what, like did, what did both, you find out? Both from me and for like for my kids to see how much they could tolerate. Because I have no idea what their tolerance level is going to be of being the subject of, you know, my um, perfectionism, I guess. And, and, and you, uh, you've got a, a DSLR. You, you recently got a Canon 80D. And so you, it's an ADD, yeah. And so you now, you were that guy. You're the Phil on this vacation who never leaves the home, the cabin or car without this DSLR. Whereas before, I'm guessing you just had an iPhone and took snapshots. And... Exactly. Okay. So exactly. So what did you? So find? How, how did the family like? How, what was the reaction to that? Because this is from, from where Simon and I come from. This is completely foreign. Because half of what Simon and I do when we're on a joint family vacation is sit there and talk about cameras. So, so how, you, how'd it go? Obviously you've, you had, your kids are much older. You've taken lots of trips, but how does, what's your approach? Like, what is the reaction? What's your experience yeah. in, well, in suddenly doing this? I mean, the kids are always used to seeing us with our phones because we've, I mean, we've had smartphones since they were young. So like mm-hmm. that that's just normal for them. So they don't think twice about us taking pictures with their cell phones, but to a- actually have a camera around my neck and like actually want to get a good picture and want, you know, I, I adjust my angle. Sometimes I lay down on the ground if like we were on a walk bridge. So I actually got the walk bridge kind of, you know, lined up with the um, perspective perspective, just right. Took some video, um, they, they surprisingly, you know, were responsive to it. Like they, they, they kind of got it like, all right, we're doing this thing for dad. Um, they didn't know that I was like, I didn't prep them or anything, okay. but they got it. Like, I'm not going to say that they're like, uh, big hams or anything, or, you know, they were like, it's all about me, but they, right. they kind of played the role. They played into it, which was, I don't know, maybe kind of scary, but. So did you find, did you find yourself with a different mindset when you had your, your, your cell phone or even like a pocket camera versus a, I'm using air quotes here for those who are listening, a real camera. Um, you, you talked about how, when you got the, the DSLR, now you're thinking about composing your shots and, and kind of taking things to a different, different headspace as opposed to just snapping with your, your phone. Um, right is that uh I, I guess what i'm getting at is do you need a real camera if if there's someone out there who's just got an iphone or an android phone is that valid or do you need a dslr if you want to get like these really good well-composed vacation photos what'd you find out i think that's kind of a deep question for me hey we're because... all about the deep questions okay we solve because... life's problems here there you go. All right. So <clears throat> I'm going to try to change the world with this answer. Um, <laughs> I do believe you will. You will try uh, and not, you'll succeed. Oh, instead, I'm just going to talk about me. Okay. Uh, that's the next best thing. <laughs> uh, so I have a graphic design background. Okay. I mean, I actually went to art school. I'm that guy. So I kind of go into this uh, being a new photographer with a ton of design expertise and like, I know things by the back of my hand. Like I know the rule of thirds, I know lighting, I know, um, you know, perspective. I've studied a ton about, you know, focus, focus, uh, depth and, you know, all the terms are came to me real easily because of my design background. So, uh, 
Is this changing the world yet, by the way? I'm, I'm, it's getting there. Yeah, my, okay. my desk is levitating as you're speaking, so you're changing some things. <laughs> so for me, taking, take, you know, becoming this like DSLR photo guy is almost like a performance. It's almost like um, choreographing all of this stuff and like really thinking about like posture and position and like trying to create a moment which is totally different than if I'm on my iPhone, right? Because in an iPhone, you're trying to c- capture a moment, or at least for me. But with my camera, I'm trying to create, uh, I'm trying to impose my perspective on what's happening right now. And I think that's like the big difference. It's capturing what's happening like for accuracy versus imposing your own perspective on what's happening. The, no, I know Can exactly. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's... I'm, a, I'm trying to think of how to put this. You said that your kids sort of just played along to what you were doing, but the way that you just described that sounds to me like almost like you have your kids pose, but I don't think that's quite what you mean. Is it like you talk well, about how, how you are creating a scene versus just capturing a shot. Now, Simon and I have talked about, um, getting getting the angle or doing what it takes to get the shot and you mentioned laying down on a bridge when your kids are walking across it right that totally something i would do um but i wouldn't lay there and then tell my kids okay stop oops uh and 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 look up at the sky all right Mm -hmm. now hold that i would just lay down and i'd i'd let it happen and try to get that view but not necessarily create uh have have the kids do something they, that they wouldn't be doing anyway is that accurate to describe what you were trying to say or 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 what what do you think uh i was the the burden of performance was on myself not on my kids so okay. like i would never lay down on the bridge with my iphone <laughs> it's like who's who's doing that like an act of desperation there I mean, can you imagine how are you going to get in those Apple commercials if you don't send them that footage is, you know, Apple phone is for like, Oh, uh, okay. Done. You know? And for me to lay down on the bridge and get the kids, you know, I had to run ahead. Like my kids are walking along, you know, looking at the water, trying not to fall in, imagining if they were, you know, and I let them do that, but I physically ran ahead like a ways and lay down and that's just something i would never do with the iphone so i'm not making my kids do anything different than they're already doing i'm just thinking about me and what i'm doing so when you when you're looking through these photos afterwards are you happy with how they turned out or are you are you kind of wishing you had more candids shot with your phone um i'm annoyed at how many photos there are (laughs) and how long it takes me to go through them (laughs) and then i think why why didn't i take more (laughs) an interesting guy jeremy (laughs) are there times that you don't have the camera with you you say you wish you take more like is there is there times that maybe the camera did get left in the car and then you regret that later on or do you do you have it with you well I, i don't have my camera with me a lot really uh like I, I very intentional, like I don't accidentally bring my camera with me out of habit because for one thing, like I said, it's new, you know, I always have my iPhone, but, and I always take pictures on my iPhone, but, uh, bringing my camera right now is like, it's a lot of work cause I'm just getting used to it. So, um, you know, hearing you guys talk about this stuff, um, my wife and I just completed, um, our fifth yearbook every year we do a, a a yearbook where we we put pictures from the past year into um one of these publishing programs and then they ship us a yearbook and so we we have to go through all of our photos from the past year and we just did that for i think 2015 so we're like a year and a half behind but oh no do we do 2016 i don't know we're, we're we're always a little more behind than we'd like to be we've done five of them now and Going back through them, there's both types of photos where for our annual lake vacation that we're about to do next week, I've got some that are like you're talking about, Jeremy, where 
I, uh, I'll get like really within inches of the water and I'm, I'm submerged in the water and my camera's just barely above the water level because I want to capture the kids from a, a unique angle as they're skipping rocks or paddling the kayak. Like I, I kind of bend over backwards to get what I think are these really creative artistic photos. And then I just take snapshots with a pocket camera or with my phone. And I, I don't know that it's always worth the trouble for me to get 60 pictures of my kid trying to skip a rock versus a snapshot that I might take on the beach with my phone. Years down the road, I'm looking through these and what's important to me, I'm discovering is they jog a memory of a special time. And I don't really care as much and down the down the road about the artistry of what I'm capturing. I care more about telling a story about that time when my kid fell off the paddle boat or whatever it might have been. And but I don't know. Like I I still I I enjoy doing both. And when we go on vacation next week, I'm gonna come. With, I'm gonna be armed and ready with my full frame camera, my 70 to 200 f 2.8 lens, my 35 millimeter prime. I'm I'm gonna be loaded down with this backpack full of photo gear. Because I like doing what you're talking about. I just don't know if it's always worth it for me to do all that. I, I don't know. And I, I would imagine other people, uh, fathers with cameras, let's say, or parents with cameras might have the same issues. <laughs> so, so. so we kind of have a spectrum here, right? We have like Simon's on the left side of the spectrum with the, uh, I'd probably rather just make it simple and easy and use my iPhone because it's light and I don't have to lug stuff around. And we have... Right. I mean, but then I, yes, but then I also lug stuff around and I, I wish I could find a way to do both, <laughs> but, but I, I'm not like, like film has this never leave the, the cabin without the camera mentality. And I, I do too, but I find myself not using it as much. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, Phil's like on, that, that's where Phil's I am in the spectrum. Other, he's on the other end of the spectrum in that, like he has to, right? Yeah. He has I to. look for opportunities to use it. I mean, it's almost like if my, for me, it's part of the vacation, really. Uh, one of the things that I like to do on this particular kind of a trip, uh, aside from um, take pictures of, of the kids at the beach on the paddle boat or skipping rocks or that kind of thing, uh, is put on a, a, a macro filter and go out and look for dragonflies um, or toads or bees or that kind of thing. I could just wander for like an hour just doing that kind of thing and for me that's part of the vacation so that's your version of, kind of, of that's your when you're on vacation that's your idea of playing in the beach or going skiing or whatever like it's an enjoyable part of vacation is this idea of taking photo close-up photos of insects and other things yeah yeah there are two things that i can think of uh photo wise that i look forward to um on a trip like this. And one is doing that kind of thing, doing those sort of hobby like photos. Um, and then of, of the bugs and that kind of thing. Uh, and another one is one that we started a couple of years ago where we do what well, we called it steel wool photography. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is uh, if you don't know what that is uh, you can just go on Google and search for like, steel wool spark photography, something like that. It's essentially, it's a long exposure um, nighttime shot where you light steel wool on fire on the end of a chain, and then you swing it around over your head. And what you end up with after a 10 or 20 or 30 second exposure is this crazy sort of bicycle wheels, spokes, sparks flying everywhere kind of photo. And those are so much fun to do. And they take quite a bit of setup uh, as far as where, you know, where your camera placement is, what's your shutter speed, how still can the person in the photo be so that maybe you see them when it's all over. Maybe you don't. There's so much to consider there. And doing something like that is, is a ton of fun. But it's also not something that I take 100 photos of. Everything else I take way too many photos of just like Jeremy, you did the same thing. Sometimes you think you got way too many and then sometimes you think you don't have enough. So do you guys feel the the need 
to capture everything on in camera or are you okay if you're out on the pontoon or uh, we need to expand my definition of vacation because I keep thinking of going to a lake but like you're at a ski resort do you have to document like get a GoPro and document every run down the slopes or if you're mountain climbing do you have to do document everything or is are you okay with not taking pictures of everything and just sort of getting the highlights? I really think that depends on your goal. You, you, you talk about skiing and having a GoPro. Well, I don't own a GoPro, but my, my sort of gut impression of generally speaking is that if you own a GoPro and you go mountain skiing, you're going to be the person who straps it to your helmet and takes video the whole time and then later you'll go back and do those crazy mountain videos like another cousin of ours actually does this, this <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> eric if you're listening that, that was for you so i'm sure he is <laughs> he's, he's not out mountain biking somewhere in seattle no he's, no he's waiting he's, with bated breath by youtube he's hitting refresh Priority. waiting for this episode to go live <laughs> so but for for us, by us, Simon, I mean you and I, mm-hmm. our idea of vacation does not fit the bill of a lot of camera dads out there. Uh, I think it does. Do... I think there's I a lot. Know. There's a lot of guys who just enjoy going on some sort of trip and chilling out with the fam. I wonder. I just. I wonder <laughs> what else is out there. <laughs> what other kind of vacations <laughs> people do. <laughs> Like you said, we've been taking the same family vacation for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, and nothing wrong with that. But it's it's one thing. You know, a lot of people um, go to the ocean, which is yeah, a I've heard concept. of that. I've they'll, heard of that. They'll go to someplace scenic, like the mountains or the Grand Canyon. Hey, the great go... – we live in the great plains of the, the Grand Midwest where amber waves of grain – it's scenic. You people with your oceans and your mm. – forests you don't know what you're missing we have endless fields of hey, like what, is an ocean, what does an ocean give us it, just a slightly different shade of blue against the sky and a and a bend <laughs> you know like it's you get salt water in your lens sure. instead of you know so so okay let me shift uh things a little bit um we've we've talked a lot about sort of the philosophical underpinnings of vacation photos and uh, we've kind of explored that a little bit We've talked a little bit about the types of things we photograph. Um, what about uh, on a more technical level, if you've got someone with a DSLR who wants to take better photos, um, or maybe even a mobile phone who wants to take better photos. So what are some things that have worked for you guys over time to up your game when it comes to taking better photos of your kids on vacation? Or maybe even not a gear question. Maybe it's like a, a mindset question. What would you guys say? Excepting Jeremy, who's taken a, a hiatus since 1998 after losing his film camera. Well, Jeremy, I'm curious to, as to what you say on this because you you've been you, doing this longer than me. Photography, but you you've been in this odd spot for a long time. But mentally, you seem like you're very prepared to take photos. I think a lot of this goes. I, a lot of this goes back to, um, really, to my graphic design background, <laughs> because I, I'm not an artist; I'm a designer, and the difference is you do art for yourself, and you design for someone else. And I just kind of have that metal- mentality. Um, it, even every time I'm taking a photo, even like I know it's just for me, but I'm like imagining who is going to see this photo? Like, what are they going to think about this photo? Even if you're just at the beach with your kids? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think that's where some of the disconnect is for me with, okay, I've always been the the, just snap it with your cell phone guy, right? Because that's truly just for me capturing a moment. But now that I've moved in, Simon, your question is like, how how do you become a better photographer in the midst of all this kind of, um, or you, how are you trying to capture better photos? For me, it was just like the decision to get a real camera finally. 
and to like consider myself a real photographer and like actually try to learn the trade and learn all the tricks. Um, you know, that, that was like a decision and specifically for like, how can I take better pictures? How can I, um, kind of you know everybody talks about facebook and how everybody's trying to like whitewash their life and make it look mm-hmm. like everything's peachy well i never did that i always like took embarrassing photos because that's more funny to me and i'm thinking okay now it's time for me to like buy into the to the um you know the glamorizing of my own life and like get a sweet camera and get a lot of bokeh and <laughs> yeah you know and yeah. show off just how adorable my my children are that look exactly like me but with less hair and uh <laughs> you know so really this this was about upping the game for me um i was perfectly happy with with iphone photos but i always felt like but i can do better you know well, you know it's it's interesting that you you say that because um most mobile phones have a focal length of around 24 to 28 millimeters. And most, uh, most mobile phones are, they're, they're, they're stuck with certain parameters. Um, the, the things like autofocus speed on a mobile phone is not going to be as quick as a DSLR. They're not going to be as good at low light photography. If you're sitting around a campfire, you're, going to have a really tough time getting low light photos with a mobile phone simply because of the way physics work, camera sensor sizes work, things like that. And you, you decided that you needed to get some gear to up your photo game. And I think there's a lot of people in that same boat who, um, they're, they, they have in, in mind photos that they're not quite getting with a mobile phone. And sometimes upgrading your gear can solve that problem as, as you're talking about here. Would you agree? Am I, am I, am I understanding this properly? So it all comes down to the 50 millimeter prime lens. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no replacement. There's no mobile phone replacement for a 50 millimeter prime. Do you, do you shoot with that? Oh yeah. Is it, it's yeah. great, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's the photos I always wanted everyone else to know I could take. <laughs> and, and, all it, and all it took was getting the right gear. So, you know, I bought you didn't a, change. You didn't change anything else. <laughs> that, was it. that was it. That was the missing component to all of my, like I had to use, I, I had to learn all about cameras. I had to like decide, you know, what kind of camera I was going to get. And it, everything came down to, so that I could get that 50 millimeter prime shot. <laughs> That's so. That's it. Um, that's so interesting. It, my our brother Andy, my mine of Phil's brother Andy. Um, he and I uh, talk about pictures a lot, and he since getting a, a, I I suggested to his wife that she get him a fifty millimeter prime lens, and she did. And now it's probably the only lens he uses, and he constantly sends me pictures that he takes with his fifty millimeter prime lens. And if you're listening to this and you're not sure what we're talking about. I'm going to quick plug my website, weekly50.com, where every week I post a photo taken with my 50 millimeter prime lens. And it, it gives you an idea of the types of photos you can get with these lenses, where what Jeremy's talking about is suddenly, if you get a DSLR and a 50 millimeter prime lens, you can get those photos where your kid is magazine cover sharp and the background is blurred out and it looks like you would you 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 spent ten thousand dollars on that type of photo suddenly you realize that anyone can take that photo you just need different type of gear compared to a pocket camera or a mobile phone so there there is some learning i mean you know learning where to stand in proximity to the subject and in proximity to the background and there's some getting used to it Mm -hmm. but well and and, that's certainly true because Go ahead. Oh, oh, what what you're saying? Um, if if someone's listening to this and is thinking, all I have is a mobile phone or a pocket camera. I don't want to spend four thousand or four hundred dollars on a DSLR or whatever. What you're talking about here is eminently applicable to anyone who wants to improve their photos. If we're talking about changing your perspective around. One of the things I see a lot on on um, vacation is 
there's there's someone in this case I'll say a dad because we're the we're camera dads here, but I'll see a, a father sitting on the beach with his mobile phone and his kids are building a sandcastle, his kids are playing in the water or whatever, and the guy is is in a beach chair taking photos. You're never gonna get the type of photos that you could get otherwise if you would change your perspective, get out of the chair, put yourself in the action with your kids. So get down, literally kneel down on the ground. So if you've got a little kid who's five, six years old, put your camera on the eye level of that kid. And instead of a picture where you're looking down and you see your kid's head building a sandcastle, suddenly you're on eye level with that kid. And now you're getting better photos as a result and start thinking and you're having more fun because you're part of the action instead of just standing back 30 feet taking pictures. But you're also now starting to hopefully think about lighting and you might realize, oh, my kid is turning out all backlit. How do I solve this? Well, if you move around to the other side of your kid, now it's a whole new perspective. Now you get the beach in the background and you get better lighting on your kid. And so learning to use the gear that you have is so critical in getting better photos and learning these principles of photography. Because if you go out and buy a fancy camera with fancy lenses, but don't take the time to learn about the photographic process, like what Jeremy's talking about here, you're not going to get better photos. (laughs) The gear won't really do anything for you. Let me tell you where I, where I used to sit and kind of still sit, uh, in, in that range. Um, when I started buying digital cameras, for me, one thing that I looked for for a long time was how far can this sucker zoom? Yeah, you used to be because all about zoom. I thought, yeah, I thought, because I didn't know anything about photography, and I still admittedly don't know a whole lot. Um, like, here's a Canon, it's got a 12x think... optical. Here's a Nikon with a 15x optical. The Nikon's got to be better. Absolutely. Um, the, the more zoom, the better, because then I can get that shot. I can, get, I can sit on the beach and uh get that awesome picture of somebody on the jet ski out there you know jumping waves or if you're sitting in the back of a boat and your kids on a tube you know what 30 or 40 feet away you get some super zoom and you can get all those great (laughs) shots that you that you want to be able to get but over time i've learned that 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 isn't true you can get the shots but they're not going to be nearly as good as you were hoping and you really do need to change your your perspective a little bit. Um, the thing about the you know the fifty millimeter prime, uh, or in my case, I have a thirty five millimeter prime, and that's the main lens that I use most of the time. The phrase "zooming with your feet" comes up, and in order to really use a lens like that in the best way, it, it was a huge mind shift for me because until I bought the DSLR that I have now I just pretty much bought the biggest zoom digital camera I could find you had one of those night it was like a Nikon not it wasn't a DSLR because you couldn't change the lens but it, it looked like it. it was like a bigger chunkier camera and you could I remember you could zoom way in uh, on stuff with it, it was a cool picks it was like a Nikon cool picks okay 200 or something yeah and it had like a 32x optical zoom yeah and and i I remember picking that up one time and thinking like man film film, this must be the best camera ever and it it was like no offense it was a good camera but it it, i I know what you mean it didn't suddenly turn transform your photos into like the no no having a good zoom didn't do hardly anything to get my photos to be any better and so when i got a dslr and i get the 35 millimeter prime that Simon, you talked me into, yes. suddenly I can't zoom at all. So I've got to, I've got to completely rethink how I want to take a picture. You know, I've got to think, where am I going to sit? Or how close to the sandcastle do I need to be? Uh, can I use this lens to get the pictures of the dragonflies that I really want? Well, maybe. Um, that's, those are all things to consider. And something that you mentioned with, um, you know, getting a really nice portrait shot with the bokeh background and all of that. Sort of to play devil's advocate here, if you have a nice enough, new enough smartphone, 
they're really, really trying to be able to do that for you. Um, the latest iPhone, I think it's the 7 Plus. Jeremy, I don't know which one you have, but that has a portrait mode built into it where it essentially mimics that bokeh in the software. And so you could stand there with your iPhone, with one person with this iPhone, uh, it's called portrait mode, and one person with a 35 or, or a 50 millimeter prime and get two shots that are probably very, very similar. Yeah, in fact, the, the iPhone portrait mode, the, it uses two lenses on the back of the camera and they're, the, it's designed to mimic specifically the shot that you would get with a 50 millimeter prime lens. Bam. So are these camera phones going to put us out of a job? Uh, Wait, are you, are, are you guys getting paid for photography? Shush, 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 shush. <laughs> I wish. You're not. <laughs> Wait. Uh, actually, I, I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one who actually makes money off this stuff, Jeremy. <laughs> That's uh, a different story. Let, let me ask you guys. I, I know we've, we've been talking about this for a, a good long while now. Um, some things I've learned uh, that that work for me over the years. If I was to give some advice to someone out there um, in terms of uh, tips or tricks to getting good pictures on vacation, um, one thing that I've learned is to kind of, I do the fill approach where I have my camera with me and I don't mind trying to orchestrate some some, uh, certain type of shot. I usually don't do... Uh, I, I don't tell my kids to pose or anything like that, but I'll run around and, and position myself to get the shot I want. But I've learned that I'm I'm happier if I fire off a few pictures and then put the camera away and go back to the family and and, and do whatever it is they're doing. And I realize that the, the trade-off I've made then is there are some pictures I simply don't get. And it was this mental hurdle I had to get over where I, I'm okay now with not having all these photos. And one of the issues, Jeremy, you talked about, I I used to return from vacation with 2,500 photos and I really didn't want to go through them all. And so now I take fewer photos and I kind of enjoy the time a little more and I'm, I'm okay with the ones I got. What, what, what do you guys do? What have you learned over time? kind of in a similar vein i i don't i can't speak to time because it's just not been long enough for me but well and, when, and when it, i, I asked you can... to, well when it comes to quantity like uh, you know how many is too many or you know yeah. how do you feel about taking so many uh my conclusion is you only feel like they're too many <laughs> when they're bad <laughs> <laughs> you know i would I just want to I want to open up my your you know my folder on my laptop of photos that I took and find 30 perfect photos. <laughs> I don't want to find uh, I don't want to find 300 mediocre photos and two good ones. Yeah, that's uh I, right? You're, like, you're describing my yeah. Um, I, I kind of strive now for that quality over quantity. I used to come back from vacation with 2,500 photos and 16 of them were worth using. Now I have far fewer photos, but they're a lot better. And they're ones that I actually want to look at later on. Yeah, I think that's what we're all trying to get to, that point where you don't have to take so many and they're really good. I'm, I'm getting there, but it's still a long drive. So, Phil, what about you? Well, um, a couple things that I've learned over time are certainly things that simply don't photograph very well. And just to stop trying. <laughs> you mentioned, <laughs> well, okay, by that I mean stop trying and just enjoy the moment. Okay, right? that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a campfire. <laughs> Kids making s'mores at the campfire. Unless you've got some really good equipment yeah i know what you're saying and a tripod at the ready just you're not going to get that campfire picture that you that you really want uh so just don't try you know make s'mores with the kids instead next for me bring your lighting rig (laughs) 
<laughs> hey kids, don't eat that for a while. I need so to go, natural light. Go, go get my keno. My photos. ideal campfire photo is a macro shot of the embers burning when it's all done. But then you, your camera has melted. Yeah, but I got the shot. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. It's a DSLR, so you can always just replace that melted lens with a new one. Right. You just get a new one. It's, I, it's, I, it works out pretty Phil, well. Phil, I like what you're saying, though. And I, I can specifically remember times when I've been around the campfire thinking, I saw a picture online where it was like, the perfectly in focus and the fire's going and I got to get that photo. So I spent half an hour running around trying to set up this photo. Meanwhile, my, I've never did make a s'more and one kid's got chocolate in his hair and, and I, like I'm ignoring everything that's happening. because I'm trying to get this stupid photo that I won't even look at anyway. Cause I don't really care what's happening in it five years from now. So that I, yeah, I'm with you on that. The other, the other thing that I've learned over time is because we tend to take more or less the same vacation every year, taking, taking, some would say we're boring. I would say we're consistent, (laughs) consistent, taking the same shots in, in certain cases over and over every year, you'll never look at them again. Like the ones where you are just sitting in the beach chair with your zoom lens and your kids are out swimming or playing in the paddle boat, you know, you're, and you're sitting there for a half an hour, just kind of clicking away. And then now I'll look at these later, probably get some good ones. For me, almost none of those are ever going to be looked at. Do, do some intentional photos, get out there in the water, get some nice action shots that the kids jumping off the boat or, or what have you, maybe take a video. um, And then just stop trying to take those. You know what you're saying. We got an e- what you're saying leads into an email we got from Dennis. Um, he says, "How do I stop looking for the best picture and accept what the opportunity gives me in the moment? Often I don't take the picture because it isn't the best lighting, too much going on, etc., and then end up not taking any pictures, and so I don't have anything to document the moment with my family. This isn't just in travel, but in any type of situation, perfection becomes a curse instead of a goal. And I think Dennis, you're kind of getting at what we've been talking about this whole time." And I don't know a, a solution I, um, it, when he specifically asked for how to stop looking for the best picture and accept what opportunity gives you. I, I guess my, I, I would say do what Phil's talking about, but also do what Jeremy's talking about. And um, I, whatever gear you're shooting with, learn how to use it. Um, maybe there's a there's a different metering setting that you can use so that your your kids are not backlit if you're using something like matrix maybe you can use spot metering but learn the settings of your camera and also learn principles of photography learn the rule of thirds learn how lighting works and how it affects your shot so that when you are in the moment you can get better quality shots and then not worry so much about not having all the pictures of every moment but go for those good shots of the moments that really matter that's what i would say to dennis my advice would be a little different, and that is, for bad shots, that's what iPhones are for. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, you're just trying to capture the moment. We're going to have and, an and army really... of commenters who say, my iPhone's great, which it is. It's fine. But uh, hey, <laughs> uh, but... I, I bought one for yeah. the camera. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, is like if you're just trying to capture a moment for a memory, iPhone's perfect for that when you're trying to impose the the perfection that you want to see, that's what the DSLR is for to me. But the, the, you know, the just let's, let's document this moment. iPhone. It's perfect. Yeah, it, it really is. And if, uh, if, if that's all you got, you can do a great job with it. And I, I find myself using my iPhone a lot more than I used to because i I just want to whip it out and document whatever the kids are doing and put it back and then we're fine. And, um, as we bring things, my thoughts on, on, yeah, go ahead, ahead, Phil. On on what Dennis is asking is that you can't, some things you simply can't control. Like when you're, when you're on vacation, um, you can't control the lighting. You can't control how much water is splashing up out of the boat, um, or how much snow is coming down and getting in the way of whatever it is you're trying to do. And I think that plays really well with what Jeremy is saying the iPhone or your, or your, your cell phone or the pocket camera or the DSLR that you have with you, 
you're just going to, you're going to get what you're going to get. And if you're really trying to go and take the perfect shot, it's, it's gotta be something different entirely. And what I'm, what I'm realizing as I'm thinking about the trips that, that my family takes is I tend to split my shots into two ways. One, just documenting the trip, doing those iPhone style photos. I'll be it with the DSLR, but that's because that's the one I keep with me. And then the other ones are the sunsets or the macro shots of the dragonfly or the butterfly. Um, there, there are some photos that I try intentionally to control the circumstances, but those are more the hobby photos and not the storytelling photos, not the look what we did on this vacation photos. Those are just the camera phone ones. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I want to, before we close, um, I want to ask you guys, is, is there any final, final things to say on the topic or uh, quick tips, tricks that you could say to anyone? And then we'll wrap this up. Um, you mentioned earlier about getting really close to the water. Yeah. And this is, this is kind of a specific point, but water and sand can be the death of a camera. So you've really got to be careful when you're doing that kind of thing. Uh, the first digital camera I had, the Kodak DC 200 <laughs> plus, I think. You had a 64 uh, megabyte memory card 64 in that thing. megabyte and no zoom because the zoom model was $100 more to get 2x optical. Uh, anyhow, I have some pictures from a trip uh, in the early 2000s that are all basically ruined because of water having gotten in the lens when I tried to take the camera right at the edge of the dock and set it down darn near on top of the water as these huge waves were coming in oh, no. to try to get that shot. And I can dig these up and show you, show them to you because they, every shot on that trip afterwards has water in it. It was and worth sand, it, right? You get sand in, in, in a DSLR because it's going to, it's just going to damage the components, but yeah, no, it wasn't worth it in that case because <laughs> <laughs> nothing else turned up that year. Jeremy, what would you say? So. <clears throat> uh, I haven't, I haven't run into problems yet because again, I'm so new at this. So um, I don't know that I have any tips and tricks, but I can tell you I was given some advice and I think the advice has worked out well for me so far. Uh, and it was just like how to get started. And of course, for me, it was the 50 millimeter lens, but also getting good at uh, just shooting an aperture priority and learning that learning, learning aperture priority with one lens first, get good at that. And then kind of then expand beyond that full manual or shutter priority if you're trying to take you yeah. know, action shots or whatever. But for me, it's not. It, I'm, if I was going to start by taking sports photography, maybe I would have been given different advice. But for like getting good portraits of my kids in a moment, just AV for me, it's a, on a Canon. It's uh, AV mode, which is mm -hmm. aperture priority. Mm -hmm. Do you do you also use auto ISO? Uh, right now, I do probably when I'm with my kids. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I asked that because I, I also shoot mostly in aperture priority. And I, ever since I adopted auto ISO a couple months ago, I just stopped caring entirely about ISO because ISO on, on cameras today is, is so good, even up to like 3,200 or 6,400 that I want to get my shot and I need to freeze motion and I want to get the aperture I want. And I don't care what the ISO is anymore uh, because cameras are so good. So I, whoever gave you this advice is good. Good advice, in my opinion. He was a pro. <laughs> I can tell. I think uh, you actually gave the same advice on your blog. On, I did? On, on Nifty 50. Or, no, no, it's not Nifty 50. That's the name of my lens. Uh, Weekly 50. Uh, so I you figure did, if, did, if I heard it. Where I read it was, was Weekly 50. I read the exact same advice there. Okay. <laughs> um, if it's I, good advice. It's it, good advice. Well, um, 
if uh, if I were to give any advice, I don't know, it would be as good as what you guys are saying, but I would say, um, I, I would say three things. Number one, um, make sure you're on vacation. So make sure to enjoy the moment. Take the camera out for, for me anyway. Take the camera out, snap a few pictures, put the camera away. But you can't do that unless you fall. Unless my second advice comes into play, which is a, a bit of a gear issue. Um, if you are that guy who has the built-in camera strap where the camera like hangs at navel level around your neck, I would highly recommend getting a sling style camera strap where it, it you look like Han Solo where the camera is sort of hanging at your side and Black Rapid makes a sling style strap and it makes it really easy to get the camera out of your way so you can play with your kids and then quick bring the camera up to eye level take some shots and then it, it hangs back at your side. But I would also say my third piece of advice, which is also a piece of gear advice, um, get a sling style backpack. They're small. You can get an Amazon basics sling style backpack for $30. And these, uh, they hold the camera behind you. And when it, when you want to take a picture out, enjoy, enjoy the moment, but then take a picture out. Um, you just spin the bag around pop the camera out of the side of the bag, not unzip the top or anything, but it's just sitting there at the side at the ready. Take your camera out, take some pictures, put it back, and then it's back in your backpack. So it's really out of the way. So that's what I would say to someone is a bit of advice. <laughs> Buy some gear, but some practical, inexpensive gear, and it'll help you have more fun. Nice. So, Phil, Jeremy, have we covered everything? Everything. The world has been righted. Yeah, it's been changed. I feel we like we did it. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks for changing the world with us today. Thanks for having me. Um, our, we're Anytime. we're we're glad to have you. Thanks for being a part of this broadcast. Um, we uh, we'd like to hear from our listeners. If you have any feedback for us, we're on Facebook dot com slash camera dads or cameradads dot com. You can leave us comments there. Um, our next show is going to be on prime lenses and zoom lenses. So we're going to talk about the differences between them. Um, we'll probably bring up some of the things that Jeremy talked about. If you don't have a Prime but are considering it, we'll talk about that. If you don't know what Zoom to get, we'll talk about that. So we'll, it's going to be a gear show. We're going to talk all about different lenses. So hopefully we'll we'll uh, have you back then, um, you as listeners. And Jeremy, anytime uh, you want to come back. Yeah. Well, so I'm, Jeremy's lighting is so good. I can tell you're, uh, you, you, you've considered this. My lighting is a, a single 60-watt light bulb on an uncovered lamp that's right up there um, because I don't have nice lighting what you do, Jeremy. So your your lighting has inspired me to, to up my game a little bit. <laughs> hey, well, you invite me back to the show where we talk about how insecure we are and that drives <laughs> driving us to get everything perfect. <laughs> I'm going to make a note Episode of that. Seven. There it is. All right. Phil, anything else? No, okay, uh, just take, again, take us thank out, you, Jeremy, for being on. Great time, you bet. And uh, Simon, look forward to seeing you at the lake for the same kind of pictures we've been taking for the last <laughs> twenty years. So, so jealous. <laughs> Come join us. All right, all right. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody. We'll see, see you next time. All right, bye.